Superhuman Registration Pod Land? Yeah, we're going to go with that. So obviously we don't have a full episode this week. Uh, we had some surprise family visits, some illnesses. So we're just doing a quick little fill-in. If you read the title of the episode, you can tell that we're going to take a minute and talk about Sana Amanat, who is an editor with Marvel Comics. When we do these fill-in episodes, we tend to like to focus on the creators. We've done a lot of writers and a lot of artists, but there are other professionals in the industry who help get these books out the door, so I thought it might be a good idea to take some time and talk about a different creator than we have normally covered. So this week we're going to talk about an editor. And if you're like me, who is really into comics as like the stories and the intellectual properties, but not as much about the business side of things, you might not actually know what a comics editor does, like exactly. Uh, When I hear that, I think like they come in and they proofread things, which seems like a lot of work to do for, you know, the lettering at the very end. Uh, Obviously, obviously they do more than that. So I thought it would be a good idea to take a minute and talk about what a comic book editor does. I found an article written in 2009 by Mark Wade, comic book professional himself, who describes the job of the editor. Uh, The editor sets the deadlines, makes the initial assignment for the writer, uh, reminds the writer a few weeks later that the script is running late, receives the script, reads it for content and continuity, asks for rewrites if necessary, copy edits the accepted final script, sends it to the artist, prompts the artist to follow up with their deadlines... Uh, receives the art, checks the art against the script to make sure that everything lines up, takes the script to the colorist, sets a deadline, and then prompts the colorist to keep on top of things, Uh, indicates where the captions and the balloons and the sound effects should be, which I always thought that was the letterer that did that. It's a collaborative process, so I'm assuming that multiple parties wind up being involved with that. Reviews the coloring for obvious errors, proofreads the whole project once again, sends it out to the writer and the artist for their review, uh, solicits the cover designs, coordinates that, does the final checking for everything, notifies the publishing coordinator that the book is ready to be sent to the printer, and then checks the proofs when they come in a few weeks later to make dead certain that everything's where it's supposed to be. So there's a lot of coordination that goes on. And in hearing other people talk about working with editors, there can be a lot of collaboration as well at the story crafting phase, at the art phase. The editors can be pretty heavily involved all throughout the process. So Sana Aminat is a comic book editor who's probably most famous for co-creating the character of Ms. Marvel. If you've listened to the podcast, you know that we're big fans. Uh, at the time of this recording, uh, the debut Ms. Marvel story, No Normal, is our current highest-ranking comic, and it's in large part due to how personally we connected with the material. In hindsight, I kind of wonder if we didn't rank it too high because it was basically me and Aldo bullying John, and I'm just kind of wondering if the number one shouldn't have had more consensus. But I mean, John did... I'll have to go back and listen to the episode and and remind myself just how much John protested. Um, (laughs) Poor John. Anyway, so what has Sana Aminat done? Where did she come from? Well, Sana Aminat was raised in New Jersey. Her parents were Pakistani immigrants. That's kind of a familiar story because that's Ms. Marvel's 
uh, background as well. She too was a uh, Pakistani American raised by immigrant parents. Uh, I read a lot of different interview material in in trying to learn more about Sana Amanat, and one of the first things I found was a TED Teen talk that Sana Amanat gave in 2014, and she talks about an experience when she was a child after 9-11 happened. And she remembers, like, going to school and having someone stop her and say, tell your people to stop attacking us. And she recalled being kind of flustered by that. And she said, what do you mean by us? I thought I was us. So as a Pakistani-American in the wake of 9-11, Amanat felt a little isolated from her American community. And you can tell that that experience really did a lot to inform what she has done since. In multiple interviews, Amanat has stressed that it's her desire to use her influence at Marvel to help to tell stories of people who may not have been represented to that point. So, after school, Amanat grew up. She went to Columbia University and got a degree in political science. She found work in publishing, actually was working in indie comics, until she joined Marvel in 2009. Her first editing job with Marvel, at least as far as I can tell, was the Ultimate Comics Armor Wars series. I had fallen off Ultimate Comics by that point, and so don't really know a whole lot about it. Even at this point, Amanat's experience and background, and I'm not talking necessarily her professional experience, but her personal experience, was proving to be valuable. Uh, She said in an interview with Vogue magazine in 2018 that her current boss at Marvel in 2009 uh, walked up to her and said, look, you have something different to offer than the regular fanboy who has read comics since he was a kid. You have a different voice, and we need your voice in order to change Marvel. And really, she did. She is arguably one of the most influential professionals at Marvel Comics right now. And it all stemmed from her co-creating Ms. Marvel in 2014. But that's not the only thing that Amanat's worked on. She has also worked on the Mark Wade Daredevil run, which, from what I've read, is very, very good. And she's also the editor for podcast favorite Hawkeye, the Fraction AHA run. So she's got some really serious credentials under her belt, or some really serious successes. And everything that she's kind of been doing since then, and a lot of the work that she's been pushing for, has been to increase uh, diversity at Marvel Comics to increase visibility of other characters. And it's a responsibility that Amanat takes very, very seriously. In that same Vogue interview, uh, she's quoted as saying, we all have a responsibility to make sure that we are advocates for more and more writers to come in to start changing the landscape. That's what was done for me. I had no business being in comics, but someone encouraged my voice, and I hope to continue to do that with other writers. Unfortunately, that that line where she says that she had no business being in comics has kind of struck a chord with uh, a very particular audience. I, uh, I'm going to admit right now that researching this episode was kind of a drag because like, I went to YouTube and I did a Google search for Sana Amanat and I came up with that TED Talk that I cited earlier 
but that was like the fourth or fifth result. And a lot of the other results were YouTube videos from some knucklehead who thought it was his goal to point out exactly how Sana Amanat is destroying the publishing arm of Marvel Comics. And these uh, videos, these comments, there are a lot of articles about it. They're all fairly toxic and incredibly frustrating for me to research through. And you can tell that this has hit Aminat as well. But I think she's handled it pretty well. This actually came up in an interview that she gave to Bustle in 2018. Uh, she was asked, it sounds like, specifically about these sort of angry videos and articles that are going up about her. And her response was, people making fun of me or not liking me is literally the least of my problems. Like, it just doesn't really affect my day-to-day -day life. It's unfortunate at the end of the day, me embracing my identity, me embracing my brownness, does not mean I'm denying their identity. It's about me, and it's the story that I want to tell. And that's interesting to me. If I can editorialize for a little bit, uh, I, I sympathize with a lot of the people who have been expressing frustration with Sana Aminat because they see that comics, as we have kind of known them, are dying. Uh brick-and-mortar comic book shops, the direct market seems to be collapsing in on itself. I've noticed this as well. My favorite comic book shop, uh, Night Flight Comics, had two locations, and they're both closed. Uh, so now, if I want comics, I can go to the Nerd Store or to Dr. Volt's Comics. Uh, they're both pretty fine shops, but I don't know how much longer they're going to be around either. Hopefully for a good long while. Dr. Volt's, uh, in particular, seems to be doing pretty good business. But the direct market seems less and less like the place to go to get interesting comics. And I do sense, and I've commented on this in the podcast, that there is, or there appears to be something of a homogeneity coming, coming from Marvel right now. And so I understand why people would be tempted to try to blame this on someone at Marvel. At the same time, this does seem to be very much in the same vein as the Star Wars fans that are attacking Kathleen Kennedy for quote-unquote ruining Star Wars. It's ridiculous. It's, it demonstrates a complete misunderstanding of how these industries work. Sana Aminat is one editor at a very large company. Admittedly, she's an influential editor who helped to create probably the defining character of the 2010s. But there are a lot of decisions that are made both by her and around her. So that to pin all of the blame for this failing industry on one person is rather silly, and it especially smacks of disingenuity when it happens to be a woman of color. And typically the people who sh shoulder the blame in this sort of scenario are people like Sana Aminat or Kathleen Kennedy. But even despite all that, I would personally argue that Aminat's probably doing a healthy bit more to try to save Marvel than a lot of other people. Uh, she has recognized that there's been a shift in the market and that some of the most successful and lucrative comics currently being published are marketed and targeted towards younger readers, women readers, female girl readers. And Ms. Marvel helped to tap into that. And so if they wanted to lean into that, frankly, I think they should lean into it a little bit more. Of course, I'm the guy who really likes reading comics about, about quirky young girls and the bitter old men who raised them. So that might just be me advocating for, for my own, uh, personal taste. But regardless of all of that, I think reading about Aminat, reading about the work that she's trying to do, it's it's kind of 
inspiring to see someone working so hard to make sure that as many stories are told by as many qualified voices as possible. And I think it's especially interesting how often she goes to bat for creators who are trying to write outside their experience. She actually came to defend C.B. Sibulski, who wrote for years under a Japanese alias. She came out and said that if there's an opportunity to create more awareness about a particular type of character, whether it's an Asian character or a black character, that should be our primary goal, telling as authentic, as honest, as fun, as real a story as possible about that character. That came from a Channel News Asia article published in 2017, back when the C.B. Sibolsky news was, was really kind of fresh. In a, an interview with the Mary Sue in 2016, she got asked point blank, which is more important, that people of color have jobs or that they're seen in the media they consume? I don't know if this is directly related to Sibolsky, but it does uh, allude to this idea that Anytime, and this is uh, me really simply and probably oversimplifying uh, this idea that anytime a white person writes about an experience that is not their own, they are taking a job from someone who is more qualified to tell that story, which probably harshly worded, but again, I do think I understand where that comes from. Again, this is me probably speaking well outside my experience, but I think that's kind of the point of these stories is to help try to coach us to try to see things from other people's perspectives. And hopefully as a well-meaning idiot, I make mistakes and learn from them and move on. But anyway, when posed this question, whether it was more important that people of color be represented or that they have jobs, Amanat responds and says, just seeing what's been going on at Marvel in the past few years, like you have Jason Aaron writing Jane Foster as Thor and Brian Bendis writing Miles Morales as Spider-Man. When you're a very good writer, you know how to write experiences that are different from your own, that are distinct, and that's fundamentally what it means to be a good writer. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, whatever, you need to know how to get into what makes a character a character, what makes them interesting and relatable. Going back to that uh, Channel News Asia interview, she talks more specifically about Bendis. He is as white as they come, but he happens to have a daughter who's African-American, so it meant something to him. We have to stop dismissing people when they want to be able to promote that, because then we're actually going to create a deepening dividing line between cultures in a way that is antagonistic. We have to start communicating and not being so angry. So it's interesting that she does foster this idea that, that people can write about experiences that don't really match their background. But going, sorry to back, hop back and forth between these interviews, going back to the Mary Sue interview, Amanat says, you know, do the research, talk to people, but you're writing about a person who happens to be black. And listen, being black, being a woman, being a Muslim paints your experiences in a very, very different way. But that's the painting, right? That's the lens by which you tell a particular story and colors the way the character makes a decision or colors the way he or she views authority. Those are the different nuances that start adding layers to who these characters are. And that's the bit about Amanat that I find, I think, the most inspiring, the most exciting, is that her goal appears to be just to tell as many unique true personal stories about fictional characters as possible. Amanat talks about growing up and falling in love with the X-Men, never thinking that she had a, a place in the workforce with comics, but connecting with those characters. 
And I think she's felt that experience that, that fictional characters can bring, that they can help us to learn to identify with experiences other than our own and to come to know ourselves better. Those are themes that you can see reflected all throughout uh, Ms. Marvel. And I, I really admire the way that she, she strives to invite more voices and for the good that she's trying to do with the stories that she gets to assist in telling. Going back to the very beginning, to that TED Talk from uh, 2014, uh, one line from that address struck me more than anything else. And again, this was something that she was tying to her experience as a Pakistani-American in the wake of 9-11. How many times people told her, uh, like called her someone who was in league with terrorists. She responded to that and said, we repeat and or believe what people tell us to believe about others and about ourselves. So why not tell stories that are empowering and aspirational and challenge us to be better? And that's what I love about superhero comics. I, I love the fact that we've got this medium where we can tell these fantastic larger-than-life stories that ultimately are about good people trying to do good. And that doesn't mean that there's not room for harsher stories or grittier stories or tragedies or, or even just bloodlust fantasies. But at their best, comics are, are really capable of doing a lot of inspirational good. And I really appreciate the work that Aminat has been doing, and I hope she's around for many, many years longer. Just to be unambiguous, those people who are making YouTube videos about Sana Aminat, who are posting all these angry articles, who are flooding all the comment sections to the articles that are written about her with angry comments about how she's ruining comics, may not actually be racist, they may not actually be sexist in real life, their methodology, their treatment of women and transgender individuals and creators of color on the internet, very bigoted. They're on our list, but not like in the in the fun, cheesy way that we sign off our, our episodes with, in in the bad way. They're 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 going to the bad place. <laughs>